This is Andy. Welcome back to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. This is episode 35, and I'm calling this one the first annual New Year's Eve prediction show. So I have a special guest who's going to join us today. His name is Paul Bassett. This is his second time on the show with us. His company is called Water Savers, which is a division of a larger company called Envocor, which is a performance-based contracting company. And for those of you that listened to the previous episode, Paul was uh, actually the first person that I knew in the irrigation business. So that's, uh, he planted the seeds that got me started, and we have been good friends ever since, and I thought there'd be no better person to have on the show than Paul uh, to join me to throw out some predictions for 2021. So Paul and I are going to both share three of our predictions for next year, and then at the end of next year, we'll come back and we'll see if any of them actually happened, and then we'll look at doing another prediction show going into 2022. So that's what we have in store for you today, and I hope you enjoy this one. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Paul Bassett, welcome back to the Sprinklerner Show, man. So excited for today. What's going on? Good to be here, Drew. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, man. Well, you and I always brainstorm, right? What do we call it? Brain sharing. Whenever we're together in person or on the phone, we're brain sharing. And so today is December 31st, 2020, on the verge of 2021. So what better time and what better day with what better person than to do what we love to do, which is brainstorm ideas. And so today is all about what's going to happen in 2021. It's kind of a a predictions episode. And then what I'd like to do, you and I've talked about getting together more frequently next year, maybe once a month, something like that. And at the end of the year, let's circle back and revisit these exact predictions, see what the heck happened, who was right, who was wrong. We can grade ourselves. We can laugh at each other. And then we can make predictions for 2022. How's that sound? Sounds like a fantastic time. I'm looking forward to it. Got to get through this 2020. So 2021 predictions. I'm looking forward to these. Yeah, man. And like we were just talking, we both have very similar industry experience. However, we both have our own sort of specialty. So I tend to look at the industry from a commerce perspective, sales, marketing, product, And then you kind of come to industry from more of the conservation, performance, contracting, water savings, um, energy. And so I think that these predictions, we haven't shared them with each other, but I think it'll be fun because of our different vantage points uh, in the industry. It's so true. And I am looking forward to it. You're right. It gave me some time to really think about what I was going to talk about today and where I thought, you know, my business was going to go in, in the 2021 and uh, for those that are listening, can you, because you were on the show a year ago, but can you just do like a two minute recap of a little bit about your business and what you guys are into? Yeah, sure. So we're, we're in the energy service performance contracting business. So we end up getting paid 
by what we save our end user on their utility bill. So if we analyze water consumption in a building and we say we're going to save them 20% on their utility bill, you know, we need to prove that we can save them 20% on their utility bill. So at the end of the day, you know, we get paid per performance. And just for the sake of scale, um, can you, are there any, you don't have to say names of projects, but can you talk about sort of the volume of water or the, the quantity or the amounts or the dollars just to add some perspective? Yeah, sure. So, you know, there's some projects that we analyze, they're using 500 million gallons of water a year. So a 20% savings is a significant amount of water. So I would say for our water group and our water teams, you know, we, we look at, you know, billions of gallons of water consumed annually in our analysis. So savings on that level is pretty significant. Um, so that's, that's what I would say. We're looking at significant numbers of water, Andy, in dollars. Yeah, it's big time. And I know that uh, for those of you listening, um, the scale of your businesses can range. A lot of you listening may be doing residential um, irrigation, landscaping, and construction. Some might be doing light commercial, and some might be doing large-scale commercial. And then there are the projects that you work on, which is like a whole nother level. Um, and you shared stories with me about finding leaks that are, you know, $30,000 a year leaks. And that, you know, that's, that's a whole different scale that we're typically not um, keen to in this industry. Well, I've been fortunate too, because of the, the business we're in, that we get an opportunity to find these uh, leaks or these find these savings. You know, when you're working for, you know, a state government and they own so many buildings, so that's within the portfolio analysis, and they may use half a billion gallons of water or greater. So, you know, our teams go out and figure out where all the water's going, and then we look at where we can find savings, but still maintain the mission of that particular entity. Fantastic. Well, let's keep some of these conversations for 2021 episodes where we can dive deeper into, you know, the details of, of what you do, how you find these leaks, how you solve them, how you put together your proposals to do the work, all of that. And uh, let's get right into a prediction. Do you want me to start or do you want to throw one out? Well, I'll, I'll start, Andy. I mean, Perfect. I know you're good at, at putting things together, but um, what I wanted to talk about initially is there's a term out there software as a service. Um, you might've heard it, Andy, you're a little bit more into software. I'm going to twist that a little bit in our business and I'm going to predict that there's going to be a savings as a service in the future. And, and we're starting to see that more and more, especially in our energy side of the business. So when I mean savings as a service, you know, our teams are going to go out and look at how much the utility or the municipality is spending in their energy and water. And then we're going to propose to them that we are going to save you this amount of energy and this amount of water, and we are going to provide the investment in the infrastructure. And then we will take the savings that we achieve in that utility bill to pay off the investment. So savings as a service is what I see is going to be something that's going to be more prevalent in our business and my business and the folks that we do business with in Man, 2021. That, that's brilliant. And, and folks, you heard it here first. Don't come and say you came up with this idea in 2023. You heard it first right here. 
December 31st, 2020, yeah. Paul Bassett predicts That's savings as a service. Savings as a service. I see it, Andy. It's going to be something. And the reason why um, is because of the pandemic and the reduced revenues coming in the municipalities, they're not going to have enough money to maintain the mission. So there's going to be third party providers that can come in and provide an investment into this system or systems that can then pay for itself within the savings that is generated over a term. A term could be 10 years, 15 years. Um, we see them up as, as far as 20 years, uh, de- depending on the investment level. Yeah, I, I like it for, I'll just add one, one reason that I like that is I feel like it puts some onus and responsibility on the implementer. So just switching out you know, the toilet or the sprinkler heads or the controller and walking away doesn't actually guarantee there's going to be any savings. But if you can provide the service over time, you are hitching your wagon to that savings by providing the service so that you have to provide the savings or there's no, or there's no business. And then, you know, part of it is Andy is that then we can guarantee the savings are going to be achieved. Years ago, when we first started doing the performance contracting business, we would say we're going to save 15, 20%. We would go in and implement it. You know, first year savings are fine. But then after that, the savings is degraded because we turned equipment over to the municipality or the school district. um, And then they had turnover and they couldn't maintain the saving stream and the project didn't perform as it, it was guaranteed because we couldn't manage the equipment. We didn't. They didn't have the, the dollars into the scope. And now as as we've progressed through the understanding of this business, in order to guarantee the savings, we need to maintain the equipment and we need to provide the services long term. That's awesome, man. I'm going to give you a, a high five. How you like that? I right. love that one. Drew, I like it. That might be the winner. We got, we got, uh, we have five more to go and I'm already excited about that one. (laughs) All right. I guess I'm up. So my perspective, I'm going to start with one that's channel related. And I think that 2021 is going to be all about distributors upping their game. Let me restate that distributors in 2021 will begin to up their game because there's pressure coming from all sides. It is no longer the job of a distributor just to have something on the shelf and available, right? So 10 years ago and and before, the role of a distributor was to have product available in a local market. Now you can get your product anywhere, you know, within two days and within a week. So the distributor's value is shifting. And as the value shifts, they have to adapt. And so I predict they're going to start taking steps in a new direction by upping their game and providing more value to their customers. And a couple things come to mind. Uh, Number one, I think we're going to see perhaps some services offered by distribution, Uh, services to help their customers, help their contractors, maybe services to help uh, end users, you know, commercial municipality uh, services that maybe contractors aren't providing. I think we're going to see more steps towards online ordering and pickup in the store, 
right? As a, as a value add. Uh, and I think that this is, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure coming from manufacturer, uh, manufacturer direct, right? Because if a distributor is not providing the type of value that a manufacturer wants, then a manufacturer wants to communicate directly with that end customer. And in the case of our business, that would be the, the contractor in the, in the, in terms of channel. And I think that that type of pressure, if the distributor wants to stay relevant, they need to be the ones providing a high level of value so that they are the most relevant piece of the puzzle. And I think that there's no right or wrong way to do it. This is for each distributor to figure out. But I think 2021 is going to be all about distributors beginning to up their game and provide more value. Yeah, I totally agree with that statement, Andy. And, and it's needed in our business for sure, um, especially when you can see the the large consolidation of the smaller supply houses being gobbled up by Heritage and being gobbled up by Ewing and, and Site One. So there's a consolidation there with regards to the smaller distribution. And then that means these larger supply houses need to provide a lot better service than, than what we feel they've been providing in the past. So I totally agree with that one. Yeah. And part of it too, is that I'm a little bit, this is something I'm passionate about is it's, it should not be the job of the account manager to take the order, <laughs> right? The human can provide a lot more value than writing an order down in their truck or sending an email. We need to let the computers take the orders and process them and let the human provide value either in the form of expertise or in the form of relationship building, right? And I feel like there are individuals out there that provide a high level of value, but there's not enough. And a lot of people play it safe and they may have a book of contractors and they may feel like their role as a distributor rep is kept safe because their contractors call them for orders and they feel relevant just because the order flows through them even though it may not actually be necessary. So that's kind of, that's my first prediction. Distributors up their value, up their game. Great prediction, Andy. I hope it comes true right away. <laughs> All right, let's go on. Number, number two for Paul. Number two. And again, I don't think there, this order is in, in specific, you know, relevance of what I think is just because I'm switching around with what I thought, Andy. But mm-hmm. what, what I see as one of the, the next elements of, of the business um, is what we learned in 2020 is there's a lot of things are going to go more virtual learning, virtual training podcasts, such as this, we, we needed in our industry to be able to have the ability for more learning platforms. We're very limited. I've been in this business 30 some years and we, we struggle to provide the teaching and training in our profession that, that other professions provide. And now that we see this virtual um, is happening more and more within other industries, our industry needs to get into more virtual learning, virtual training platforms to be able to provide more outreach to those who want to get in our industry, in our business. We, we need more young folks to get in our industry, in our business, because we're not going to be able to sustain this long term with the guys that are gals that are in the business today. So virtual learning and virtual training is going to be what I see is something that's going to be necessary. And I'm hoping, as you mentioned, that the distributors who need to step up their game are going to be the ones that pick this up. 
and if it, I think there's two parts, number I totally agree. And I think 2020 was a great uh, testing time for that. And, and certain um, companies and individuals and distributors have maybe risen to the top a little bit because they, they're testing it out and they're trying it. And I think uh, um, whenever you're doing something local, you may need 50 of those individuals, let's just say one per state, because you have to get there, you've got to set up and then you can only fit 20 people in the room or 40 people in the room. And so the scale at which and the efficiency at which you can train is so limiting. But if you took 10 awesome trained individuals and they did virtual learning, you could train thousands of people a year on their own time and be way more efficient with way better, uh, more valuable information. And uh, for those of you listening, shoot back to episode 19 on this show where I talked with Chris Pine, who's the founder of EarTechTraining.com. Yeah. And so he's done a great job of, of kickstarting some of this. Uh, and we use it at Sprinkler Supply Store. Denny, my customer service manager, uh, learns a lot from EarTechTraining.com. And I think, yeah, you're right, man. We're going to see more of that. And we need it. Our, our industry needs it. We've been really hamstrung this year with um, being able to provide training with, with our folks because of the pandemic. And, and this is a really good way to be able to, like you say, reach out and touch more people and provide more education and training. Well, let's do this. I think uh, let's provide some training, you and I, next year on what you do with your business, because what you do is not something that has any training for because it's, it's relatively new. You can't take a class on how to do what you do. And I don't know if that would make you feel uncomfortable by training potential competition. However, all ships rise with the tide, right? So we got to oh, make the tide do. rise. Yes. All right. It's my, uh, my move. <laughs> okay. I'm going to expand upon sort of my first, uh, my first one. And I'm going to predict... This is a relatively bold prediction. However, I've seen steps already in this direction. I'm going to predict that Hunter Industries opens a uh, direct-to-contractor or direct-to-consumer uh, portal. Wow, that's bold. <laughs> Their competition's already doing it. Really? Okay. Uh, and yeah. I, the question is, at what price? Right, because the goal of a manufacturer when they sell direct is not to cut out their uh, existing customer base. So I don't, I'm not predicting that Hunter does this as a way to compete against their distributors. I'm predicting that they do it as a way to add value to to their customers and as a way to get closer to their customer, like understand their customers' needs better, understand what they're ordering better, uh, fill in gaps where maybe their product line isn't as popular in a certain market. Uh, and so I, I've already seen on their website where you can kind of uh, fill out a job, kind of like a job quote, and then email it to your distributor. And so I, that to me looks like first mover steps towards just, you know, adding the add to cart button. Hmm. So that's my prediction. Hunter adds the add to cart button and sells direct to consumer in 2021. And are they fulfilling it themselves, Andy, or is it getting fulfilled through distribution or you don't know yet? You just see it coming. I just see it coming. Yep. All Likely right. fulfilled themselves. That is a bold prediction. I can see it. I like it. It'd be helpful for all of us um, if we can get our material direct from the manufacturer and hopefully cut out some 
percentage or so uh, from the order? Well, let's see. It's again, I don't think it's a, for me, I don't think it's about saving money. If the distributor provides you more value, then you have a choice to buy from the distributor. If you feel like the distributor is not providing any value, then you can buy from Hunter if Hunter is providing more value, right? So I think that that's the, it's really a value proposition and people want to buy price being equal. People want to buy from people that they like, know, and trust, or they feel like provide value. And sometimes like, know, and trust comes with adding value. You never want to buy from someone you feel like is, you know, has exclusivity or forcing you, you want to have a choice and then make a good choice. And so that's why I sort of feel like it, it won't be about price. It'll just be about uh, convenience and value. And I can see that for sure. If you look at the Amazon effect, right? Amazon makes it easy for us to go on to their website and buy product Mm -hmm. and it's good value um, in most of the time. So um, I, I really, you're right. That is a good prediction. I, I see that maybe moving towards that way. You know, and that's, and that's why that little bit of pressure, let's say that comes true, whether it's 2021 or 2022, it will happen. And so that's the pressure coming back on distribution where then distribution thinks, okay, how do I add more value and give someone a better reason to buy from me? What's my value proposition? Right. So that's why I sort of added that as the second layer on the prediction to sort of reinforce why I think distribution is going to up their game. Awesome. Good prediction. All right. Four in the hopper. Moving on to number five. Okay. Number five is something that I've been seeing burgeoning for some time. I see there's outsourcing of operation and maintenance services from state and local governments due to their constrained budgets, especially during the pandemic. Mm, And and what that means, um, Andy, is they're not able to keep um, folks on staff to do the normal services, landscaping, irrigation, electrical lighting, whatever the the municipality has. So they're going to find a way to still get those services done. And I'm seeing them, instead of doing it in-house and paying their own staff, that it's easier for them to be able to outsource these O&M services to subcontractors to maintain, you know, the level of maintenance that these municipalities, school districts, state parks, you know, whatever the, the facilities are. And again, I'm, it's mainly in the, in the government sector, Andy, mm-hmm. not in the private sector that I'm saying this because mm-hmm. I'm starting to see it and I have seen it in other places and, and I'm, I'm seeing a shift to it, especially when the budgets are so down um, and the revenues are down to be able to maintain their, their equipment and their operations. What comes to my mind is what is the, it'd be interesting to know what is the cost to the municipality when you think about the hourly rate that the uh, employee is, is earning and then their benefits and then their uh, retirement package, right? When you add all that up, and you were to compare that to outsourcing to a landscape maintenance contractor or an irrigation contractor or whatever that maintenance contractor service is, is it the same? Is it, it must be less. That's why the, you're, you're seeing this, right? Because it sounds like the cost to maintain that staff in-house is expensive. It, it, it can be for sure, especially when that staff is aging and retiring um, and then they have all those benefits that are attributed to that. And, and not saying benefits are bad. Benefits are good for sure. But, you know, there's there's a leaner, meaner 
um, way of being able to do things that still can increase the O&M services um, and maintain a mission. And, and so that's really what um, I'm starting to see more and more of, especially in our business, that folks want us to, to help them maintain their equipment, you know, long term. So maybe what we should do is go buy a bunch of Brightview stock. So if that prediction comes true and maintenance companies have this uh, golden opportunity to increase services, <laughs> maybe that's a, a smart uh, five-year play is to invest in some landscape maintenance contractors and irrigation maintenance contractors. And maintenance is good when the economy is down because there's a lot less folks out there, you know, installing and doing new equipment. So it's a good pivot uh, to, to diversify your business if you certainly want to sustain through, you know, a down economy. Uh, maintenance is really where where the, the positive play is going to be. Yeah, I think that's good. And that kind of plays back to your your uh, your first one with the with the uh, savings, savings as, as a service. service. Yes. Yep. If it's all about the maintenance. So there's two, two nuggets from Paul that says 2021 is going to be more about the maintenance. I like it. All right. So my final one, this one's going to be a little bit more of a, a vision thought for 2021, <laughs> but I would love to get your comments, Paul, because all right. I have a software prediction and you use this software. And so I am going to predict, I, I guess I'm a little bit I don't know what's going to happen in 2021. I think it could, but uh, I think LandFX is going to launch a marketplace. And a marketplace? A marketplace. So the reason I say that is LandFX, right? You use LandFX design software. Yeah. When you use it, they know every product that you use, right? How many... Hunter I-20s you've uh, specified, how many MP rotators, how many Rainbird 5004s, they, they know all of that, the valves, the, they know all the parts, and the same thing happens in the landscape, they know all the parts and pieces, you can get a quantity takeoff table, right, you, you, they have all of the product information, all they'd have to do is give you the opportunity to buy that project, just add the, add the add to cart right to that design, or let multiple distributors, let multiple vendors bid on that in a, that's why I say marketplace. So instead of actually providing the ad to cart, they should open up a marketplace where you see maybe that Hunter I-20 sprinkler, what is the price from four different vendors in this marketplace? And then you could pick and choose which products you want to buy from who, because they're, they're providing that marketplace. That is really, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you talk to land effects about this, Andy, but that's a good play for them. I've been trying to for years. <laughs> they might come knocking at your door now. <laughs> yeah. So that's my, when I think about where commerce is going and the potential that's out there. And again, circling back to what's the value of distribution, you know, these are all things that are going to happen at some time in the future that could make one distributor obsolete. And at the same time, could make another distributor extremely relevant. And they're all just sort of pieces of this puzzle uh, that are constantly changing and constantly moving around. And it'd be interesting to think what would happen if LandFX opened up a marketplace? How would that change the game? That's a bold prediction, but I like it. I mean, you know, you got to be bold here now and in these times to be able to advance your way up to the next level. So why not? And I do enjoy their software. I mean, it's certainly very good. 
And I like the takeoffs that, that are provided from it. I would like to see that um, come from distribution. Even if the distributors are out there doing the designs with that, say here, we did a design, Paul, here's our price for this design. Right. Yep. And that's all kind of into the, what you might call connected commerce. I try to use that word a lot. It, you know, the, oh, yes. the plan is connected with the takeoff, which is connected to your account at a distributor or online. It's just this, you know, the data is all connected, connected commerce. You know, it's strange, Andy, that you say that because, I mean, how long have we been wanting to have a better way to order material from distribution? I remember Joe Morton um, from Atlas Irrigation years ago. He yep. was at way, way beyond all of us back then. But he wanted I remember him talking to the distributors like, well, why can't I just go log into your account or and see what you got available so we can go in and just buy it? You know, those days still aren't here yet, Andy. <laughs> we don't know. It's the go. Joe wanted this 30 years ago. And still, 30 years later, we don't know what's in inventory at a distributor mm-hmm. and how available parts are and pieces are. Right. It's, right. it's um, I, And that's why, you know, again, sort of my three are, are channel related, right? Distributors, manufacturers, what could happen with commerce. Yeah. And I think it's always refreshing, uh, even if um, you're an irrigation contractor listening today, to think about, uh, your business as like day one. If you started your business today, how would you start it, right? It, it Just because you started your business 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago doesn't mean you're actually even still relevant today. Those that start their business today have an advantage because they're seeing everything new, all the possibilities, and they're not caught up in this is how we've always done it. So true. You're so true. So I didn't, I didn't invent that. That's Jeff Bezos. He thinks of it. He thinks of Amazon is like every day is day one. And I, I try to remind myself of that. That's a good way to think too, Andy, because you got to be able to adapt with the change of the times. And here we are, the times are changing and you got to be able to go where the cheese is, or you're going to be left behind. That's awesome, man. Love that book. And the cheese, the only thing different about 2020 and when I, when you and I both read that book, right. in like, I don't know, 2002 or three is that the cheese moves faster now. (laughs) So does. (laughs) And then, and then we know every 10 years, there's going to be a downturn in the economy. And we're at an age now, like, didn't that happen 10 years ago? Right. Didn't that happen 10 years before that? Okay. We're at the bottom of the next economy of the cycle. All right. We, we went down with this Last one. Now it's time to come back up, and we gotta we gotta work our way back up. You know, mm-hmm. to the next. The cheese the next is moving, track. man. We just gotta figure out where it's going so we can we can get there, get that cheese. Awesome. Well, this is good stuff. This is about a thirty minute uh, episode. Uh, I had a lot of fun brainstorming with you. Kind of felt like we were just uh, having a, a, a coffee together somewhere. So appreciate all these thoughts, and uh, for everybody listening, Paul and I are going to talk more together next year. So stay tuned. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, listening and really thankful for, for this year. Um, I tried to get to 50 episodes, only made it to 35, but it just feels really good to have people listening um, and to just be connecting with, with the industry and having awesome folks like Paul to uh, inspire both myself and all of you as listeners. So thanks for everybody joining the show this year and following along and, uh, Looking forward to an awesome 2021. Any, any final words, Paul? Well, I'm grateful as well, Andy, for what you do and how you do it and including me in this. And I also will commit 
to you, Andy, that we will do more episodes and we will connect more together and we will do more than 50 uh, in 2021. All right. Woo-hoo! <laughs> All right. And with that, I think we are out. Cheers, man. Cheers, Andy. Good to hear from you. It was fun. We should do this more. Absolutely. See ya. Bye-bye. Shit. Let me get my glasses too, Andy. I don't have glasses in here. I can't. You better get your glasses. I know. I know.